morning everyone here we are again and i hope that you're doing well if you've got any needs if there's anything that is happening that you would like prayer for or practical support for make sure you head to our app make sure you let us know so that we are able to get the help to you or we can be praying with you um, in in this time and so yeah make sure that you're getting on the app and getting all the updates as well as we move forward i'm sure the lockdown is not going to last very long this time around and so now, hopefully, we'll be able to meet again soon. Well, we finish off our Exodus series today, and I'm really excited about today, and I'm a little bit bummed that we couldn't do this face-to-face because uh, I hope that you'll see that there's a real practical element to uh, this message that I, I wish that we would have had a time together for. Uh, but, you know, we, we started this series talking about um, the Passover and Jesus. If you go back all the way to Easter, you can get that message uh, how the Passover was actually a block of three different festivals. There was the Passover... There was the festival of unleavened bread and the festival of the sheaf of the first fruits. And those three festivals came together, often known as the festival of unleavened bread because that lasted for seven days. But I think for us today, uh, we kind of know that as the Passover, that is a little bit more popular. And so through this message, when I relate to uh, the festival of the Passover, I'm actually talking about all three of these festivals uh, together. And and so we had that and we know that that relates to um, or the Israel being brought out of Egypt and being brought into this new life, being brought into the promises of God. And that's all really exciting and that's all good. Uh, uh, but then it's also a shadow and a type for us to understand what Jesus has done for us. Jesus has brought us freedom and freedom from slavery, bringing us into this new life and into to the promises of God. And so as we finish off this series and uh, for today, we are going to talk about what God does to help us stay in freedom. You see, we discussed how the Israelites were freed from Egypt, but you know, they, they were actually absolutely terrible at keeping the covenant with God. They, they, they were faithless people, so to speak. You know, as uh, we spoke about last week, that when they got to Mount Sinai, God gave the Ten Commandments and, and all the rest of the commandments that the Old Testament is quite known for. Um, and we spoke about how they were not so much laws and regulations as much as they were covenant responsibilities for the Israelites to stay in covenant with God. But even while uh, they were having this um uh, covenant being established, the Israelites were making a golden calf idol and saying that that was the God that brought them out of Egypt. They couldn't even keep the covenant for a couple of days even. This was quite a shocking story for us to, to hear, but they repent, they turn back to God, but right after leaving Mount Sinai, after establishing the covenant, the Bible then goes into seven rebellion stories. We spoke about this before as well. They rebelled again and again and again. And even when they get to the promised land, after the book of Joshua, where they conquer and they take over the promised land, the land of Canaan, we then see that they enter into 
I, I personally think this is one of the darkest, saddest book of the Bible. It's called the Book of Judges. And yeah, there are some amazing heroes uh, uh, and their lives are recorded in the Book of Judges. But when you see what the Israelites have become, it is a sad book, especially the last few chapters. Whenever I'm doing my Bible reading plan and I hit the book of Judges, I'm like, oh man, these stories, they, they so break my heart because of the depravity and the, and the way that these people have uh, become. But it doesn't actually stop there. They then have themselves uh, a few kings, right? But over time, these kings become more and more depraved and their leadership takes Israel away from the covenant yet again to the point where they are worshipping gods that demand child sacrifice. And I say gods because these are uh, uh, small g gods. These are not real gods. These are idols. These are unable to really do anything. But yet the Israelites were worshipping them, sacrificing their children to these false gods. Why would the Israelites do that? It's just a, a scary, sad thing. But at the same time, as I've learned to study the Bible more, I realize that these stories are not just for us to go, you know, these Israelites are terrible people. But really, as I quoted from 1 Corinthians 10 verse 6 a couple of weeks ago, Paul writes, now these things, I was referring to the people of Israel, to the Old Testament stories. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. We talked about the need to keep our hearts soft, our hearts set on God rather than on evil a couple of weeks ago. And, and what we need to understand is that these examples that uh, uh, are shown in the Old Testament are meant to be uh, an example, a, a story of humanity. That in and of ourselves, we are just unable to fully follow God's ways. As sad as it is, that's true for you and that's true for me. Following God is not easy because there are these things inside of us, sin, really, that tries to pull us away from God. Even Paul the Apostle, the man who gave his life to spread the gospel beyond Israel, wrote these words in Romans chapter 7, verse 14 to 25. He says, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing." Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
And that's why Easter is such great news. Because even Paul recognized that, that in himself there is this sinful nature, there's this nature that wants to love God, obey God, keep the covenant, but there's also another law that is at work that stops him from doing so. And, and this is a condition that we all struggle with, is the condition that is recorded in the Old Testament, and it's something for us to be mindful of. I cannot follow God in and of myself. I need God to do something about this. And that's why God didn't stop at Easter. God had so much more in mind, and this is really exciting. So let's go back to the Passover. I'm going to try to do this. I've never done this on video before, but I'm going to bring my whiteboard up, and let's see how this looks. So here we go. Um, I'm going to use this to hopefully help you visualize what is happening here. But uh, we, we go back to the Passover, right? That a lot of three different festivals, as we spoke about. And um, they were the first lot of festivals that Israel were to observe. The Bible talks about three lots of festivals. We will cover the first two, or really the second one. That's where I want to get to today. Maybe one day we'll visit these festivals again. But in Leviticus 23, 15 to 17, this is what it says. From the day after the Sabbath, of the first Passover anyway, the day you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, count of seven full weeks. Count off 50 days up to the day of the seventh Sabbath and then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. From wherever you live, bring two loaves made of two tenths of an ephah of the finest flour, baked with yeast as a wave offering of first fruits to the Lord. All right, so what's happening here? Remember that um, the Passover block and then it says to count off 50 days. Now, this is not just... Uh, uh, you know, just mark it on your calendar kind of a thing. I believe that when God said count off 50 days, it was meant to actually be something that the Israelites were thinking about. They, 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 they would take these 50 days to be uh, uh, gearing up and getting ready for the second festival. Now, the second festival came to be known as Pentecost. And for us as a Pentecostal church, maybe that already helps you to see what is going on here. Uh, but the word Pentecost simply means 50 and 50 days. And so the Passover and the Pentecost and the festival of Pentecost were very much linked to each other. I did a little bit of research into this, and in a 50-day spot between Passover and Pentecost was extremely important to the Jewish people. For many of the Jewish people, at the very least on Pentecost, they would reread the Ten Commandments because the day of Pentecost, as much as it was a harvest festival, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but it was also commemorating the giving of the law. So this was meant to commemorate uh, Sinai. This was meant to commemorate what was going on there. And so we had the Passover that commemorates leaving Egypt. And then for the 50 days after that, uh, uh, according to Jewish tradition, they were gearing up to prepare to commemorate the giving of the Lord. So many Jews would read, in fact, I think all Jewish people were uh, uh, told to read the Ten Commandments again at Pentecost. But many Jews, during these 50 days as well, would dedicate themselves to reading the whole of the Torah. The Torah is not just the law. The Torah is actually the first five books of the Bible. That is what the Jewish people consider 
the Torah. And so they were reading Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Why? Because they were reliving and waiting for the day of Pentecost, the, the festival of Pentecost, where they were commemorating that God established them as a nation. So these 50 days are important and it's something for us to consider as well. That, that you know, we understand God's freedom, that God purchased our freedom from sin, that from there, we're actually needing to understand that there is this process that God is leading us through. And so what does this mean for us? What does this, how does this highlight? Because as I mentioned, a leaving of Egypt is a leaving of sin. It's a redemption from sin. So what does this represent to us? Well, in Acts chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, we read this. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many, and this is Jesus, by the way, this is Jesus. After Jesus' suffering, he presented himself to many disciples, many people, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. About. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So after his resurrection, Jesus appears to his disciples and for 40 days, he reteaches them about the kingdom because we read before that Jesus taught his disciples about the kingdom. But now that they understand his death and resurrection, which is represented in the Passover, they are now better able to understand the kingdom principles, the kingdom culture that God is trying to bring them into. And so we already see this parallel, this 50-day wait that Jesus used this to teach about the kingdom. When we leave sin and slavery, we are meant to go through a period where we are uh, digging deeper into understanding the kingdom of God. But there's something more specific that Jesus is saying. He's saying to the disciples, wait in Jerusalem, wait. What were they waiting for? Well, they were waiting for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost that we commemorate today. You see, in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus explains what are they waiting for in Jerusalem. And he says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what does the Holy Spirit do? Let me just run through this real quickly. Firstly, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 to 14, we read this, And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance unto the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. So look, let's look at this. The giving of the law was an establishing of Israel as a nation. The giving of the Holy Spirit was a seal for us knowing that we are God's people. We are God's family. So in a very similar way, the law is juxtaposed with the Holy Spirit. 
we, we, we see that God is actually doing a similar thing. He's establishing Israel, and now He's establishing us, right? And this is a very uh, powerful thing for us to realize that through our freedom that Jesus has brought uh, has bought for us, that we are now sealed with the Holy Spirit. We can be confident in what God is doing in our lives because we have received the Holy Spirit. A couple more practical things that the Holy Spirit does is that uh, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. Jesus says in John chapter 14 verse 26, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit is important because the Holy Spirit, just like the law, the law reminds us of our covenant with God. The Holy Spirit reminds us of our relationship with God as well. And finally, as I've already pointed out in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says that the Holy Spirit empowers us. So the Holy Spirit seals us so that we know that we are God's people. He teaches us, reminds us of all that uh, our relationship means, and then He empowers us to live that life. Can you see uh, why I said that we, we're not meant to be doing this by ourselves? We don't stop at the Passover. We... The finish line is not here. The finish line is way further over there. God brings us through freedom into a place of empowerment where He wants us to be able to live in freedom with His Holy Spirit. This is so exciting. Now, the Holy Spirit does so much more. We did a series on this end of last year. So you can go back to the podcast and, and search for those. Uh, but I just want to point those out because I, it's so important for us to understand that our freedom, our exodus, doesn't just simply stop with being freed from slavery. It actually has so much more that God has in mind with this. Now, I want to point out some very incredible parallels uh, between the Old Testament and the New Testament in terms of what happens on the day of Pentecost. Okay, so in the Old Testament, um, you know what, let me just rub this, let's turn this around, how about that? Um, so we're talking about Pentecost now. And let's talk about this as Old Testament and New Testament, and we will see some parallels here. The first thing I want to point out is that in the Old Testament, um, we, we talk about the giving of the law. Now, when the law was given, and I've spoken about this, we had the golden calf incident. And the golden calf incident, because of the people's continued rebellion, 3,000 people were executed. That is um, not a... a it's not a thing to um, sneeze at, but 3,000 people died on the day of Pentecost in the Old Testament. It's a sad thing, but it shows us that our that without, without what God can do, even if we receive this perfect, amazing law, we are unable to fully live in it. But at the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit came, what happened is that Peter full of the Holy Spirit, begins to preach. And he preaches about the gospel. And what happens? We see 3,000 people saved. How powerful is this parallel? The Old Testament law is only able to bring death, but the Holy Spirit is able to bring life. That's what we are looking forward to. That's why we need the Holy Spirit, because we are not just living in death, we are now living in life. That is a, an amazing parallel. Another interesting fact. 
Uh, and now let's go back to this. Just to show you uh, our Passover and Pentecost diagram again. Um, at the Passover here, uh, there is a celebration of a particular harvest and is the barley harvest. Okay, so they're celebrating the barley harvest here. In the day of Pentecost, what they are celebrating is the wheat harvest. As you can see, you're supposed to be bringing first fruits. Uh, so what, what kind of first fruits? Well, there's a barley festival and then there's the wheat festival. Why I'm pointing this out is because I did a bit of research and barley was actually a very low quality crop. It was not seen as a valuable crop. Barley was actually more, it was food for poor people. It was also often used just simply as food for animals. Um, sometimes even they just use it as fuel, which is kind of like, why plant it and grow it if you're just going to like burn it up? But that's what barley was for. That was the first harvest um, of the year. And then we get 50 days later and there's a second harvest and that's a harvest of wheat. Now, wheat is seen as one of the, the most valuable crops uh, that comes about. And so we see this beautiful uh, uh, progression that the Bible takes us through, that the Passover is beautiful, is important. It brings us into a new place with God, but it's barley. It's, it's still necessary for the nation, but it is not the end product. It is not the most valuable crop. Whereas we travel through and at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we are not just celebrating the Holy Spirit, but we're celebrating a more valuable crop. We're celebrating wheat. And this is a beautiful thing. As I mentioned, there's a third festival uh, that is celebrated. It's called the Festival of Booths or, or, or uh, the Tabernacles. And, and that is also in tune with the, uh, another harvest. And that's a harvest of grapes. That represents, as, as some theologians would say, represents a new new wine that God is bringing about. And so we got barley, we got wheat, and then we got grapes. The, the third festival represents that when God comes again, He's going to be bringing a renewal of the whole world. And that is what we are actually looking forward to. We are not just stopping at barley. We are not just stopping at wheat. We are actually looking forward to new wine, new life, renewal that God is wanting to bring to us. But right now for this message, what I want to put in your mind is don't don't stop at barley. You want to get to wheat. Don't stop with salvation. You want the Holy Spirit. Don't just stop at the freedom from slavery. God wants to empower you for something so much more. We need to go through the progression. Don't stop at barley. Get to wheat. Finally, one uh, last detail that I want to bring to you this morning is that at every festival, they are meant to be uh, bringing a sacrifice and an offering to God. And for the, uh, the day of Pentecost, uh, they were meant to bring two loaves of bread. Uh, uh, but this is a very interesting uh, detail because they weren't just supposed to bring any bread. They were supposed to bring two loaves of unleavened bread. Unleavened bread. Now, if you remember... Uh, 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 part of the Passover is that everything was meant to be unleavened. You're meant to get rid of the leaven. Now, leaven is this yeast, um, and it basically represents a sin. And so it makes sense that when God brings us out of slavery uh, from Egypt, that he's also telling us to get rid of sin in our lives. The whole Bible is filled with this imagery of leaven representing sin, right? And so it's kind of interesting 
that on the day of Pentecost, the offering that is brought to God is not two loaves of unleavened bread, bread without yeast, bread without sin, but they are meant to bring two loaves of bread that is made with this yeast, is puffed up with this yeast. And I was kind of wondering about that. Why is it that at Pentecost, we bring these, uh, the Israelites were, were called to bring these two leaven loaves to God. What is this all about? And the number two, by the way, uh, is uh, uh, theologians and Jewish people um, uh, believe that it possibly represented that there was the Jews and the Gentiles. So there's two loaves. It's representing all of humanity. It could also represent the two tablets um, that God wrote the Ten Commandments on. Remember, Pentecost was originally celebrating the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. Uh, but why leavened? And, and then here's what I think. These loaves were presented to God. They were brought into God's presence. And I think they actually represent me and you and all of humanity. That when the day of Pentecost comes, it is not about being perfect people, perfectly without sin. It is not about getting our lives right before we get to come to God. But rather, the day of Pentecost, we remember that I am still full of sin. I am still full of selfish desires. I am still uh, uh, having a war wage inside of me that, like what Paul said, I want to do what is good, but quite often I don't. That there is this tension inside of my life, and that is what is going on. But in the midst of this tension, in the midst of this impurity, I can so often feel like I am ashamed and hiding away from God. But at a day of Pentecost, it is not a day to hide away. It is not a day to remember that I am meant to be without sin. But it is a day to remember that I bring all of me into God's presence. The Holy Spirit is not given to perfect people. The Holy Spirit is given to imperfect people like myself. I need the Holy Spirit to get me closer to the life that God has for me. And so God gives this without determining, without judgment on how you've been and how you've been going and all the past that you have gone through. But rather God is saying, come. And that's where I believe that between the Passover and Pentecost, there is this time of waiting. There is this deliberate focus on coming before God, remembering who He is and what He wants to do, and remembering God wants to bring me freedom, and God wants to pour out His Holy Spirit into my life. How beautiful is that? How powerful is that? You get to receive the Holy Spirit today. We don't have to wait for the day of Pentecost. We don't have to have these special occasions. But what God was wanting to show through the Old Testament and the New Testament is that the Passover, the freedom that He brings to us, culminates. It is meant to bring us to the second stage of receiving the Holy Spirit. I love this passage it's found in Galatians 5, 16 to 18, and is in the message version. And this is what it says. My counsel is this. Live freely, animated, motivated by God's Spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. For there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with the free spirit. Just as the free spirit is in 
incompatible with selfishness. These two ways of lives are contrary to each other, so that you cannot live at times one way and at times another way according to how you feel on any given day. So why don't you choose to be led by the Spirit and so escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence? The Holy Spirit's leading and guidance is available for you. Now I wish that we were together in the same room, that if you would want to receive the Holy Spirit today, maybe afresh or maybe for the first time, we would be able to pray for you. But I also believe that God is uh, no respecter of circumstances. Uh, like He doesn't need me to pray for you for you to receive the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm trying to say. Right here, right now. Can we pray that the Holy Spirit will fill us anew and fill us afresh? Because God is wanting to do something amazing in your life. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you give the Holy Spirit so freely. That you bring life. You bring hope, you bring this peace, this empowerment, this freshness, you bring us into your family. And so God, I pray for every person listening to this message and wanting to be filled afresh with your Holy Spirit. I pray for a great outpouring. I pray for something fresh and new to stir in their lives and in their hearts. I pray for every person listening to this message that right now they would sense your presence. They would sense something new emerging because your Holy Spirit is at work. And we thank you, God. We pray this in your name. Amen. Take the time, church. Gather around others in your household and pray for each other. Let's get onto the app. Let's discuss this. Maybe there are things that you want to dive a little bit deeper into. Um, and and let's, let's do that together. Another thing I want to mention is that in a few weeks' time, when it's the actual uh, day of Pentecost, we are actually going to have an upper room celebration. We are going to worship together. And we're going to be waiting on the Holy Spirit, just like the early church did. And so that's uh, going to come up real soon. And I hope that you're going to be able to get to that as well. But you know what? I love that uh, with technology, we don't have to necessarily just forego our gathering fully. This is not the best format, but it is a format that we get to do this in. And so um, I pray that, that this weekend you, you, you'll be safe. Also celebrating Anzac Day, celebrating what uh, um, people who have gone before uh, to celebrate, uh, sorry, to, to, to fight for freedom. What a beautiful thing, especially the theme that we've been going through as well. So, so stay safe, family. Uh, we'll be in touch. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Mm -hmm.